Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, we're back. And today I'm here with Ryan Chan. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day as we were talking. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in California, in Los Angeles. That's awesome. Yeah, today, uh, well, so up in Edmonton, it's it's raining right now. We're actually having thunderstorms. It's Canada Day, so hopefully it'll clear up for the fireworks later, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it was an absolutely beautiful weekend for me, but I won't take a picture uh, and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I'd love to see it. Yeah, so for everyone listening, so Ryan is the founder and CEO of Upkeep Maintenance Management. So if you go to onupkeep.com, you can check that out. So Ryan, I guess to get us started, why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Like, how'd you get your start in maintenance and reliability? Sure. So my first, I, I graduated from Cal Berkeley as a chemical engineer, and my first job was working in a manufacturing plant at a, a membrane manufacturing plant that basically manufactured these membranes for a little bit of uh, brackish water desalination, reverse osmosis. Um, I got kind of just thrown into the deep end and I was, I was given the title of a process improvement engineer. And what I realized was how complex the facility was. And I was really exposed to basically the entire manufacturing line. And as a process engineer, I was really focused on how do we improve process within the manufacturing plant. And one of those ways, a big part, uh, a big component of process is making sure that our equipment is well-maintained and reliable. Um, so that's really where I got the first, you know, foot in the door within maintenance and reliability. And, you know, as I worked there more and more, I just became hyper aware of all of the issues um, and shortcomings in in the space. And I really wanted to set out on a path to, to really go out and, and fix that problem. So those problems that you were seeing, like, are those CMMS problems? And that's what led you to find, to found upkeep? That's a great question. So a little bit of context. So one of my projects at that manufacturing plant was to improve our efficiency and, and line speed by 5%. Um, and, and I was given this project, but what I realized instead of trying to imp 
to increase our line speed by 5%, why don't we try to reduce downtime by 5%? And so this was a big project for our team was kind of making this shift from just like make it go faster, make it go faster to make it more reliable. So it was actually surprising because our it was actually the process improvement team, the process development team that was responsible for uh, choosing a CMMS, maintaining it, and making sure that our equipment was way more reliable. And so what happened was we purchased a solution. We spent a lot of money on it. We spent a lot of time on it. And what wound up happening was everything was desktop-based. And our team, and I'm sure you guys deal with this quite a bit, our entire team was never sitting at a desktop. So one of the biggest problems that we had was adoption of our CMMS and also the data that did go into the CMMS. So basically what happened was piece of equipment, you're running your PMs, uh, you have a tech that goes out, they jot all of their nodes down on a piece of paper and pencil. They'd have stacks and stacks of paper. And now that we introduced this new system, we told the team that, all right, now, now your process has to go from writing everything down on a piece of paper and pencil. And then at the tail end of your day, you have to go re-enter all of that information back into our system now. And so instead of making their days, lives, jobs easier, we are actually adding more work onto their days. So compliance was not the greatest. And then when we finally did, you know, say, hey, you have to enter in all of your information and data, you have to do it in order to complete your jobs. Basically, we get these one liners in our system that says done. And when for us, when we're going back on all of our historical records, it was like, okay, great, that that tells us very little. And so we didn't get this like outcome that we had hoped for. So after seeing all of those struggles, challenges with our, with our company, trying to roll out a CMS that was fully desktop based when no one was sitting at a desktop, said, I want to solve this problem. I want to build a solution for the, the team that's never sitting at a desktop. Build a mobile first solution that, that the end users, the technicians, the facility managers, the, the engineers can use and will want to use from out in the field to make their days, lives, and jobs easier. <laughs> no, I, I kind of, I didn't really have, I had a similar story actually, it was funny. In, in 2012, it was, I was probably maybe one, two years in my career in reliability. And I was at, we, we were, I was working at a mining company and I was at our annual reliability and maintenance conference for that company specifically. And one of the sites, they stand up and they said, you know, we do all paper-based work orders and we got this new CMMS. So what we did was we bought this software to read handwriting and to import it into the CMMS. Wow. Wow. And I'm, I, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> I was like, this is 2012. Like what year are we living in? Like, it's just like actually funny because last week, so I was, I was on the phone with uh, unemployment insurance in Canada. And the woman said to me, she's like, well, you know, have you kept your list of, you know, all the stuff you've done to look like all the job applications, all that stuff. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, can you fax it to me? 
<laughs> it's like, well, first off, I don't even have a printer, no matter a fax machine. I call over a pigeon, maybe I can tie it to his legs and he can fight to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. Like we're living, like the industrial, the industrial space. Like I don't know why it takes so long for these things to happen, but. <laughs> You know, getting back to it, instead of just us telling stories about antiquated systems, other than, you know, it being a mobile platform, like what sets Upkeep apart? Like I saw, I think you posted it earlier today that you guys won an award for the best mobile CMMS. Like like what other stuff goes on in that software? I mean, I, I could talk about features, but ultimately every single one of the platforms can check off a checkbox. I truly believe that we do everything else, but we do it you know, 10x better with a better user experience. But it really, where we differentiate ourselves comes from our philosophy, our philosophy around our customers and innovation. And that's how we separate ourselves. We are building software for technicians out in the field when they're doing their job to make their jobs easier. And we have an intense, relentless focus on making our customers extremely, extraordinarily happy. And we've got a focus around innovation. So it's not just about making them happy today. It's about figuring out how can we make their job even easier. It's, it's thinking about how can we make sure that we are building software that revolutionizes this entire space that will enable them to get, you know, what we always say, the recognition that they deserve, because we have an intense focus on building software for our customers. So one of a little bit of an anecdote for me, you know, growing or working in the process improvement space, I, I think main, maintenance and reliability has this conception that it's just about maintaining status quo, because it's kind of in the in the word in the word itself but me and our entire company is focused around around improvement about process development it's a it's focused around taking maintenance to not just maintaining the status quo of today but making every single member of the team an important critical part of the entire business because we know that maintenance and reliability is I think I think you're going to offend some of our listeners with that statement. <laughs> why was that? Well, so I mean, you're going to get like a divide, right? So there's a lot of the people who listen, I guess I mean they're actively trying to improve their workspaces and I think that a lot of us they'll will kind of argue against the maintenance side of reliability and we talk a lot about reliability is encompassing everything. So a lot of the process improvement stuff, the continuous improvement stuff, like to me, that's all reliability. That's, you know, like you're out to make your workplace, make more money to make it better. And so I think, you know, like some, a lot of the old school people or people who don't understand reliability truly, they may think it's a maintenance function, but I think now people are starting to understand that it's almost more of an asset management function. Yeah, I, I, I encompass all of those into this, this all-encompassing bucket of 
not just improving uptime and not just maintaining status quo, but this whole idea of process improvement as living under the same umbrella, because that's what ultimately will make the biggest impact for the business. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Now, now, Ryan, you recently got your CMRP and, and obviously congratulations for that. Now, I do get this question probably at least every couple of days is people ask me for my CMRP preparation tips. So do, do you have any preparation tips for people? Any prep tips? I mean, there's so much material on the web. There's so much material from the SMRP too. And I found it, to, when I first got into it, I, I, I did get a little bit overwhelmed. But what I realized is that you just go through it all. And it's a lot of it is saying the same things in just different ways. So I think the first tip is don't get overwhelmed by the volume of material there is. I think there's a few key books. There's The Pillars by SMRP, and that was huge for me. Um, there's a few, um, the rules of thumb for maintenance and reliability, um, by Ricky Smith. That was huge for me too. I think it's not so much about trying to get every single piece of, of knowledge and every single book out there. It's choosing the one, two, three, four different resources and just going really deep into those. Because again, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed because there's so much information there. And when I, when I set out to do the CMRP, I basically when my personality is, you know, when I get excited about something, I'll just dive super um, deep, you know, head first. So I basically had set a goal for myself. I'm going to take the test in five to six weeks from now, and I'm going to study like crazy for it. And I feel like the other tip that I've got is don't procrastinate. For me, it was setting a timeline, setting a date, and just going out and doing it. I think what I realized and what I think a lot of people will realize is that, you know, hey, all this knowledge is actually, they've been practicing it on a day-to-day -day basis. They've been using all of this knowledge on a day-to-day -day basis. And now it's more about formalizing it. And when you go through all the study materials, when you go through all the exam materials, you're going to realize like, hey, I've actually been doing this, but I, but I haven't I, it, it's a subconscious realization that I'm doing this. How about that? <laughs> no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, like I've asked this question to Ricky Smith and Howard Penrose, like these guys are, I mean, they're active members in the SMRP and they've said kind of the same thing. It's, it's everyone says it's, it's an experiential test. And the more experience you have working in reliability, the better you're going to do. Now, obviously, you you should probably study the, you know, the book of metrics. Mm -hmm. There's a fair amount of stuff on there, at least from what I remember on, you know, leading, lagging, shameless plug. We did a podcast on it with James Kovacevic. But also, it's, it's just, yeah, you'll know a lot of the stuff on the test. But the wording does get a little tricky from what I saw. Yeah, and it's great. You know, when I was going through it, I realized like, oh my gosh, I have been doing this. Like, this is exactly what I had been practicing, but I hadn't been, I hadn't realized it. And what I realized after going through this test and reading through all the study materials is like, 
you know, this is the framework for which I've been making decisions, but I hadn't formalized it. And it was great to have that formalization because now I have a very clear mindset of what I need to do and what, what now our customers need to do. And it's very e a lot easier for me to articulate it. And I think that's what this, this designation is about. It's not so much, you know, hey, is this going to change your job? Is it going to change your function? It's more about how do you communicate the things that you already do? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's, you know, we've talked about it a bunch on this show already is communication, both to management and to the shop floor. It, it is so critical. And oftentimes, like, like I see it, you know, just in myself, like I'm an engineer. And, you know, early in my career, I was happy to sit in front of a computer and to run Weibull plots and to do lifecycle cost analysis and to do this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, until you affect the guy who's maintaining or operating the equipment or on the opposite end, the guy who's purchasing and creating these asset lifecycle like decisions, you really haven't done anything. Absolutely. I mean, we, we say this quite a bit, you know, one of the big things that we always say is that maintenance reliability is kind of the unsung hero, right? Like maintenance only gets called when something goes wrong. You know, it's basically we're running. If we do our jobs really freaking well, then absolutely no one hears about us. And so, it, and that's a good thing, right? Like that means that we are doing our job, but but that should also signify the importance of communication because it's also really easy to forget that maintenance is actually doing something. I think that's one of the misconceptions that a lot of companies have. So that communication piece, being able to say, here's what I did and this is how it affected our equipment, our business, and the production line, that's so critical. And especially because of the way that maintenance and reliability works. Yeah, it's critical. And it's something that you see a lot in industry. Like early in my career, I had issues, not necessarily with the communication part, but people weren't buying into the value. And, and probably because the numbers were big, I would argue they were true because we were running a billion dollar multi-billion dollar business in annual revenue. But I think the other thing is, is makes it difficult. And it's, it's this alternate universe where you would have had a failure, but because you did something, it didn't happen. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Rob, was, you know how you figure out the true value of maintenance reliability? You stop it. But obviously you can't. I'm not, I'm not proposing that everyone, you know, hey, takes a sabbatical for a couple months and goes on strike. But, but that's kind of the magnitude of what I believe maintenance and reliability has on, on a business. Every single business owner knows that if our team goes on strike, doesn't show up to work, it is going to stop the business. And when we talk about communication of value, that's what we really have to point back to. Well, have you have you heard about the pendulum of reliability? The pendulum of reliability. Tell me tell me more. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So this is a, this is a concept. Jeff Smith introduced me to this concept when I started working with him. And what he was talking about was that a lot of businesses, when they're experiencing a lot of failures, what they'll do is they'll get on board with reliability. Like they'll, they'll go to a conference and they'll go reliability. That's a good idea. Let's do that. And so they hire a team of guys and these guys, they'll spend, you know, a couple of years, five years, 10 years, and they'll transform the organization into a proactive reliability culture. And the manager who hired all these reliability guys, he'll get promoted or he'll leave because, you know, he's been doing good work and you'll get a new manager and he'll look and he'll say, why are we paying, you know, 500,000, a million bucks a year on salaries for all these reliability guys? when we don't have failures. So they cut those guys. That guy gets promoted because he's got a million bucks a year in cost. And then within two years, you're back at step one. And then it starts all over again. <laughs> it starts all over again. Wow, that's 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 quite an interesting observation. I, I actually, I'm not surprised that that there is this pendulum of reliability. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. And it, it, I'm sh like, it happens across the world. So it's an interesting way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's get back into it. So I, I wanted to, you know, obviously, I wanted to talk a little bit about CMS with you. And one thing that I've seen over my career is people who implement CMMS they have a lot of problem just in the upfront stuff, plus also getting the data migrated over and, you know, all these different types of pieces. So what does a proper CMMS implementation look like to you? All right. I've got a few things. It depends is the kind of first step. It depends on what your team needs and it depends on the stage maturity of your company. What we always talk about is, Crawl, walk, run, and start where, where the biggest impact is. So let me kind of take it first step. So when I say crawl, walk, run, I mean, it's not about trying to implement, a let's call it predictive maintenance, if that's the ultimate goal, predictive maintenance program across every single asset that you have. You know, it depends on the stage and maturity of your business and, and the stage and maturity of reliability at your company. So if you don't have anything, the first place to start is just start with something. So that basically means get your work orders into a digital system, set up some PMs, set up some, some conditions around meters. Um, and that's really what makes what I believe a successful implementation is getting to time, getting to value as quickly as possible. Uh, a bad implementation is gonna be one that says, hey, you guys don't have anything. So here's an implementation that's going to take you six months to 12 months of time before you can start seeing any sort of value. We've seen so many implementations fail because of that, because what happens, you get six months into it and you realize someone says, hey, we spent a ton of money on this thing. It hasn't done anything for us. And then you want, that's the first thing to get scrapped. That's the first thing. And so what happened, so what we always push for during implementations is let's get your team up and running as quickly as possible. If you guys don't have anything yet, let's get you to ground one. 
and get you start working into our system so that you could start seeing the value of it. Once you do that, let's get you to what we call stage two. And that's going to be, you know, hey, we've got some dashboards, KPIs, your team is measuring things like mean time to failure, um, downtime, uptime, availability, OE, like that, that to us is, is phase two. And again, it depends on where you start your implementation. If you're already there, then you've already got a big head start. But what we find with a lot of customers is they want to go from zero to a hundred instead of on day one versus going from zero to one to five to 10 to, you know, a gradual increase. And we've seen those types of implementations be extremely successful because everyone's starting to see the value of it and they gradually increase and improve adoption over time. Now, when you're working with a customer, would you prefer that they already use a CMMS and you're migrating them over to upkeep? Or would you prefer to start from like they're using Excel or they're using paper work orders? I mean, it doesn't matter, to be honest. Um, If they're using another system, the first question that we always ask is why? Why switch? We often hear, you know, because team didn't adopt to it, because it wasn't user friendly, because it didn't give us the data, the insights that were promised to us. And so knowing that, that's where we've got to make sure that we get them to this point of value as quickly as possible. If they're using, you know, if they're using another CMS, then they're very familiar with the terms, the structure, the technology that that we have. Um, But also there is this like, hey, you know, we are moving because something wasn't working. So double-edged sword there. You know, same thing with paper and pencil. It's like, you know, hey, the team was using paper and pencil, you know, and now we're switching to a new system. So now we've got to get them up to speed of what kind of metrics to look at, how to use our system, you know, coming off of paper and pencil. So it, it depends. There's no better. There's no right. There's no wrong. Um, for me and for, I think, everyone in this space, it's all about up-leveling the entire industry. I'll give you a wrong, and it was actually, it was funny. It was last year in the summer, either July or August, I was at a site, and they were using an MS-DAW CMMS. MS-DAW? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how that works on any computer that they're running. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, teach his own. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the next one I want to ask you is, you know, for the data that's going in this week on the podcast, actually, the one that's getting released is we're having John Reeve on, and he's written a book called Failure Failure Codes to Failure Modes, I believe, or Failure Modes to Failure Codes. I can never get it right. But either way, at the end of the day, it's about getting that data into the system so we can analyze it at a later date. Yep. How does that process look? And like, what are your top tips for people who maybe they're struggling with getting that data into their CMMS? All right, I've got a few. First one, invest in mobility. The reason the premise behind Upkeep is that we want to get the highest quality data into the system to help with this entire process. 
we view the world, we view reliability with a foundation on having data to analyze, to predict and to work off of, like you were saying. And when we think about other systems out there, that's purely desktop based, and we get one word answers that say done, you know, that doesn't give us that data and insight into the system. So again, what, what are some tips that we could do to improve data integrity? There's a few, one is invest in mobility. That'll give folks the ability to close out work orders, capture all of the data from standing right next to that asset and when they're doing the actual job. The second one to me is about, another big thing is about setting things like required fields. So rule and field validation before closing out a job. So whether that means, um, whether that means filling out priorities, assets, locations, what we always find is that without those field validations and required fields, you're going to have messy data that becomes very difficult to analyze and report off of. Um, and then the third thing is just auditing, like do a constant audit. It's a, it's a kind of tedious task, but it's incredibly important. Once you have data going into the system, once you're reporting off of it, it's really important to make sure that data is clean and audited. And if you have someone who owns that, you're going to have extremely robust analytics reports that enable you to drive the business and your team better. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And to me, that auditing process, it has to feed back to the guys on the floor who are putting in the data. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone is out there and they're looking at maybe changing their CMMS or they were looking at purchasing upkeep, like what would you tell them? Like what, what factors should they consider in picking a new CMMS? I mean, obviously Ra, I'm, I'm very biased here, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go out and say, I think the most important thing, you probably heard me say this already, uh, invest in mobility, invest in a solution that, you know, your team is going to adopt to invest in a solution that you're, you're, that actually makes your team's days, lives, and jobs easier instead of adds additional process onto the end of their day. If you do that, you're going to have a really, uh, you're going to have incredibly much higher quality data going into the system, and you're actually going to make your team much happier. The second thing is build a foundation before innovation. So, so for us, basically what that means is when you're training a team, when you're looking at different software to buy, it's really about taking it into stages and figuring out what your business needs today and what your business needs um, in the short to midterm future versus versus running towards all the new shiny objects and um, tools that your that that maybe your company doesn't yet have the foundation for. I think the thir third thing when you're choosing a, a solution, make sure that you that solution, whatever it is, whichever it is, whether it's upkeep or another one of our, our competitors, is make sure that it has the right KPIs and dashboards that you and your team cares about. And ultimately, we use this digital system not to just perform work and make our make our days, lives, jobs easier, but ultimately to be able to impact the business. And so 
if the way that you do that is through a certain set of KPIs and dashboards and reports, um, make sure that the system that you're moving towards has all of those because that's what's ultimately going to enable you to showcase value. And that's what we were talking talking about earlier in this podcast that's so, so important. Yep. No, that's a great answer. And Ryan, I guess we got a couple questions here before we wrap up. And and the one of the questions I want to ask you is, what are some common mistakes that you see people make when using a CMMS and how do we avoid those mistakes? Yep. Uh, first one, don't set it and forget it. Um, what you'll find is, you know, hey, we purchased this solution. Um, cool. Now let's go out and use it. And when I think about this idea of setting and forgetting that happens way too often, it's actually, it's not the, the solution that's going to solve your problems. It's going to be about the people utilizing it that enables you to have this unique insight into your business that you didn't have before. So this idea of setting it and forgetting it, don't do that. <laughs> the, um, it's a constant process. I think another another big thing, and this kind of tags on to the the same one, which is tra- invest in training and support for your entire team. It's not just a one day, one month, three month event. It's an ongoing thing. It's a weekly thing. It's a monthly thing. And you can never, never do too much training and onboarding for the team because you know what? You're probably going to hire someone new the next month and you'll have to redo this entire training that you did last month. Um, and make sure, <laughs> um, I, I think another big thing for me and for us is not involving the entire team into the process when you're finding and implementing a solution. And so what we always say is don't make the decision top down, make it with, make it company wide, make it department wide, make sure that you get the, the green light from the actual end users who would be using the system before saying, hey, I'm going to go out, choose this solution, buy this solution. Because if the end users don't use it, then again, it kind of uh, takes away from, from the value of, our, of the entire system itself. Yeah, I mean, if no one uses it, you didn't really buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bought something, right? But <laughs> was it well spent is the other question. Yeah. <laughs> So, Ryan, I mean, what are your, like, you've, you've gone over a lot. Now, do you have any other tips that you haven't talked about for, for people out there who are looking to improve their, the way their company uses the CMMS? Yeah, I think a big one is about accountability. So one thing that we've seen a lot of successful teams do, and they have them, is they, they set up. KPIs, dashboards that they monitor on a day-to-day basis, you know, again, could be one of many, many different metrics out there for reliability engineers, but they meet about it and they, they review it on a, you know, let's call it weekly, monthly basis as a team to see how they did. They do retrospectives of it, of, of why that number might have dipped, why that number may have slipped. Um, and they really hold themselves accountable to these things. Um, So that's the first portion. The second thing that we always see is we look for teams that have a champion that wants to make a true business impact 
um, when implementing a CMMS and when implementing software. And if you don't have that champion, if you don't have that person that's going to you know, run through walls to make sure that this is successful, we always find that it's always a little bit more difficult to make it incredibly successful. And we always say is, you know, hey, you could be that person. You could be that champion. You could be the person to run through walls to make this successful because we know that it, if, if you go through all of this time and effort, that it will have an amazing, um, tremendous value to the entire business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The champion is so key in like just in reliability in general, whatever you're trying to do. You, you need somebody who's boots on the ground every day, who's pushing it and talking to people, building relationships, all that stuff. It's so critical. Yeah. Awesome. So, Ryan, I mean, thanks for coming on. Now, do you have anything to plug? Like, obviously, people, they should check out your website, one, sorry, onupkeep.com. But do you have anything else to plug? Should they, Are you going to be at any conferences? Should they connect with you on LinkedIn? What do you got for us? Yeah, connect with us on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, we also... We also launched a campaign called the Unsung Heroes in Maintenance. It talks a little bit about, you know, basically the the work that we do in this space that often it goes unheard. Um, if you check us out on, you know, it's on upkeep.com slash maintenance hero. Uh, you could go there to read all the stories. And if you're interested in, in submitting a story to be featured, we'd love to feature you too. Um, it would be a, yeah, a, a great great opportunity to, again, showcase the work that we do, that all of us do in this space. Um, and then obviously the third thing, I'll just say it, you know, check out the app. We've got actually a free product. Um, and the whole purpose premise behind Upkeep was to democratize it, make it accessible to anyone, regardless of whether you're the, the you know, reliability facility manager, whether you're the tech or whether you're the, the C-level executive. Um, we wanted to make it extremely accessible to anyone that wants to streamline their maintenance, their business. Cool. I didn't realize you guys had an app. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out after we're done here. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Rob. And again, it's, it's free. It's open to anyone. If you visit us at onupkeep.com, you can sign up for the free product, and download our app on the app stores. Cool. No, I, Ryan, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your expertise with us. Yeah, absolutely. This was a t this was a ton of fun, Rob. Yeah, and we'll have to do it again. I'm sure. Like we only scratched the surface, so we'll have to get in deeper next time. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a plan. Awesome. So everyone who's listening, I as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hopefully, you're having a safe drive to work or a good workout. 